Well, hello, folks. Feels weird to say that. Uh, this is Ty. I'm, I'm, I'm on my lonesome because Clayton was on his lonesome recently interviewing the illustrious Julian Gonzalez of BN Sport and, and uh, anywhere fine soccer media is being played. Uh, Clayton and, and Julian had a, a delightful and insightful discussion with a lot of uh, really interesting tidbits. You're going to love it. Uh, like us on Facebook. You want to support the show, help us uh, get more content like this out and enjoy our interview with Julian Gonzalez. And stay tuned after the uh, theme song, guys, because uh, we're going to get Ty's first impressions of the interview itself. It's uh, an episode outside of an episode, episode-ception. Get out of here. You're not supposed to be in this part of the episode. <laughs> get in the other part again. <laughs> well, hello, folks, and welcome to a very special We the People this is the American Soccer Podcast, in which you're going to get to know everything that you need to know about the U.S. men's national team. I'm Clayton. I'm a rapper. And I'm Julian Gonzalez, a soccer journalist, an aging sportscaster specializing in the U.S. national team. Beautiful. And we love the Nats. <sighs> Folks, uh, like I said, very, very special day. If you're if you're hearing noise in the background, that's because we're here in downtown Seattle uh, in the Via Six building, outside of the illustrious Tanaka-san, my place of proper employment. But for my passions employment, uh, I talk only soccer. And what makes today really special is the fact that we have Julian Gonzalez, sportscaster, as he would say, uh, aging. Although I don't see that. The man's got <laughs> the man's got a timeless visage in front of me, and I, I couldn't be more excited to be with you, Julian. Good to see you. Uh, Glade, man. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I mean, uh, you know, it's uh, it's always a pleasure to talk, you know, football, as I still call it. Sure. Football. Football. Uh, with anybody, you know, especially here in Seattle, as you know, you you lived here a little while now. And it's a big soccer city, so I'm it thrilled is. to be here with you guys. Excellent. So a little, a little background on Julian Gonzalez for those who may not know. Uh, he's he went to the University of Central Florida and Miami Dade College. Is that right? Is Miami that Dade, yeah. Started off Miami, Miami Dade Community College, and then I transferred up to UCF. Beautiful. Uh, he's started out on Goal TV in Miami in the early 2000s. Eventually, did move to Seattle in a somewhat uh, circuitous way. We were just discussing how it was a little bit spur of the moment his move to Seattle, as was mine. Um, he has worked, he's done uh, lots and lots and lots of soccer coverage of many teams and uh, certainly extensive on the USMNT, which is what drew your career to our attention is you're your covering them. But it's not just uh, soccer or football, as, as most would say, uh, that you cover. You also cover a smorgasbord of other things. You, you've uh, done some writing uh, for Volvo, which is random, about cars. Mm -hmm. You've also uh, done some motocross, some weightlifting. Seems like whatever, whatever comes across your path. And just to put a cap on your, your various accolades, you hosted a half-hour daily show uh, called World Sport on CNN International. And you're now with uh, BN Sport doing, like I said, all kinds of everything. So, Julian, my, my first question for you is, is, is it uh, first and foremost a passion for sports? Is it first and foremost a passion for broadcasting? Or is it football in particular that, that drew you into this whole path? Well, well, Clayton, I'll tell you the truth, man. It, it, it's, it's, it's sports, and it started at a very young age because my, my, parents, my parents are Colombian. I was born in Queens, raised in the 
parents moved to Miami when I was two. That's why I identify with Alejandro Bedoya of the U.S. national team, very similar backgrounds. But there's only two people that, two men that really mattered in my family when I was growing up for my father, a very Catholic family. That was Jesus Christ and Pele. <laughs> Even though we were, Colo- you know, Colo- right, you know right. Colombian, my dad was a huge fan. And yeah. my first toy that I ever remember having was a foosball table. My dad painted it with the two classic teams from Colombia, traditional uh, teams, and that's how I remember. So it was always sports, always had a newspaper under my, you know, under my arm, always, you know, back in the day when people read newspapers, and just started evolving and started watching more television, some of my idols, you know, uh, you know, uh, growing up, uh, Howard Cassell, uh, uh, Cosell, rather, a lot of young people have no idea who he is, but some of those guys I just like I don't, for any of our listeners, who is Howard <laughs> Cassell? <laughs> If you'd watch the early stages of Monday Night Football, Howard Cosell talked like this. He's a, a very famous broadcaster, better, best known for not only Monday Night Football, but the guy that was really the, the mouthpiece in a way of Muhammad Ali. And guys like that, you know, with the Peter Jennings and Canadian broadcaster, you know, guys that I really admired, and especially in sports, uh, that I thought, and I go, man, I'm going to take a shot. Well, my dad was a still photographer. And I thought about, well, maybe I'll become a cameraman, or as we say in the business, a photog. And started evolving, went to UCF, uh, as, you me- as you mentioned, and, um, and it started evolving that, you know, I've always been creative. My dad's very extremely creative, and I'm just writing. And then I just love putting stories together. It came out, I'm like, why am I going to get behind a camera, behind a camera where I can be in front and tell stories? Tell and that story. was my passion, and grabbing any little story yeah. and putting it together. One of, the, you know, one of my stops was at the CBS station in Miami. And they told me, you know what, Julian, man, you can make chicken salad out of you know what. And that's always been my fortitude. And yeah. that involved football in it, even better. I have been amazed at what little involvement, just doing this podcast, at how different uh, one could cover any single event. So it could be a football game, and that'd be great because you and I both love that game. Correct. But no matter what somebody talks about, you know, there's so many angles, and it, it's, it is amazing what, what people can bring to the table. What's that guy's name who's always going, Magisterial? He covers, he covers like, uh, he does a lot of the, the Barcelona games, the way he talks about Messi. He's always like, oh. Ray Hudson. Ray Hudson, that's the guy. Man, <laughs> this dude He's is... He's a buddy he of mine. Works, he enlivens, I mean, to, to bring that or to bring that energy and just those, the eloquence. When I watch a Real Madrid or Barcelona game with him covering it, I'm more invested. I care so much more. And then someone else, you know, there'll, there'll be some, some, some British accents drolling away at a, right. at, a, at a monotone. And it's the same game with the same players, Correct. but it just doesn't seem to have that. It doesn't seem to have that edge, you know? So I, I it's worked really with cool you. know so funny? Yeah, I, I worked with, well, it, I go way back with Ray because I grew up in Miami, as I said. My dad would take me to Fort, Little, Fort Lauderdale Striker games. In the late 70s, oh, early wow. 80s. Yeah, so totally. I, used, I then I then he was when he was the head coach of the Miami Fusion. Uh, before that, he was the voice of it or analyst for the uh, Miami Fusion. I tease him. I go, I used to see you play. That's how old you are, dude. I used to watch you play. We worked together. I said at Gold TV for the longest time, and now have seeing him in 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 Gold T- in uh, BN Sports is just totally totally amazing, man. I'm so happy for him because, like you said, the energy he brings, Thomas Rongan, is the the passion, yeah, that's how they too. are in person, Rangan you know? The they are the stuff. That guy's got some dudes, ideas, man. man. Coolest dudes in this world. Nice. So you've been, uh, it's, it's cool to hear that those stories do sometimes meet back up 
Correct. Know, over the years, and that you know these these little interactions you have with people along the road, they make they may come to fruition again later. Right. Um, you've been covering the MLS from the very beginning. Correct. What a crucial crucial element of American soccer in general. Um, and, and for the USMNT, which we cover specifically, we can't help but talk about the MLS all the time. Uh, I wasn't there, dude. I just kind of started following these things. I, I've been going to some Sounders you look like game. you're 18, dude. you got a young face, <laughs> man. Yeah, well, that's because I shaved, man. Let me grow this beard out. Um, yeah, no, I totally wasn't there. And there, there are many questions I have for folks who have been with, uh, been with this journey the whole time. How different is it? This year, let's say, looking at these MLS playoffs and looking at what the MLS has become, uh, with Toronto being, so to speak, the, the best MLS team to set foot on the field. Um, and for me, I went to that that second leg of the Seattle playoff. That, right. That, you know, do scores twice. The soccer culture feels real. So happy to do. It feels inspiring. It feels alive. Did it always feel that way? No, you know what? At the beginning, I, I started my, you know what the coincidence is that I started my broadcasting career in 96 in a small town. I worked for the CBS station in Grand Junction, Colorado. It was the west side. That's the same year the MLS, so I covered a lot of the Colorado Rapids. Okay, and yeah, I, yeah. I, I still bug Marcel Balboa, dude, I remember you still have that same mullet. You still haven't cut your hair when I used to cover you play. <laughs> and a lot of the same players, Dennis Hamlet, who's an assistant coach in New York, I was there when he was playing. I remember asking a lot of those players back then, you know, man, how do you guys survive? And there were a lot of players back in the day that have six players in one room because they were getting, I think it was like, I think minimum wage is like fourteen or $16,000. And it's funny you asked that, Clayton, because I think it was a month ago that I was looking through some pictures, I was looking for a picture, and I came across a picture of myself and Brian McBride. So this was in 98, 99. He was at the Columbus Crew. Now, I was friendly with a goalkeeper at that time called Jurgen Sommer, an American, one of the first Americans to make it to to United States uh, uh, to play in Europe for the U.S. national team. And there's, it's, my dad took the picture in the locker room. I was a one-man band in Fort Myers, Florida, so I was a cameraman with my stick, with my uh, microphone sticking out. My dad took the picture, and there's another guy named Thomas Dooley who's also a captain, played for the U.S. national team. And he showed me right there how much this league has evolved. Because back in the day, you go to the locker room, talk to players. My dad was there with a the camera. Yeah, it was yeah. just, you know, the league was just finding its feet, you know. And I was there talking before the game with, um, with Jurgen Sommer. And it's like, nothing now. It's more evolved. Like, I've covered, when I went to Miami, worked for the CBS station in Miami. I used to cover the Dolphins, Miami Hurricanes and everything. And that was already a professional mode. And now the MLS come across so fast that that's where they've gone, at least with the media. On the field... It's gotten better, man. You know, yeah. we used to see players like Carlos Valderrama, you know, playing at that time, Marco Echeverri for DC United, some legends, that those were the guys that were the league. You have some other players that, you know, probably nowadays wouldn't play. And maybe that's a good thing that some yeah. of the MLS players back in the day wouldn't be playing to now because the, the product has improved. And I yeah. think it's amazing, but it does need to take that big step. Let's see what happens with the elections coming up. It's a very long way to go. You bring up the elections. Um, it's... What I'm interested in in the growth of MLS is how we went from that unprofessional state to a more professional state and how important those role players are. People like Carlos Bocanegra who have, who have been around for eras of the game um, and then are now trying to facilitate what's next and how to grow to that next level for the game in this country. Uh, why, how to phrase this, why hasn't it been uh, straight upward trajectory for the USMNT. The MLS seems to have grown, although imperfectly, 
consistently. Year after year, the MLS gets better. I don't get the sense that that's true for the USMNT. There are some eras, like the Brian McBride era uh, and, and uh, others that I know less well, um, where it seems like the US maybe was stronger in the past. Um, what happened? What went wrong with the USMNT's program? And why didn't we continue to go on an upward trajectory year after year? Well, you know what, I, I think it's several, I mean, it's several factors that, that go into that. Um, you know, with the U.S. national team, I think its attitude is different. You know, I, I hate to say it sometimes, but sometimes, man, I've covered the U.S. national team this this uh, recent cycle since their, the last uh, round before the hex. And it's one thing that I always talk about the US, former U.S. national team playing. They say it's, it's kind of a millennial attitude that some of these players have. Whereas before, it was more you know, that chip on the shoulder proving themselves, you know? Right. I don't know if the grads, I know, I understood what Jurgen wanted to do, you know, kind of develop, restructure everything with the U.S. national team, how, you know, how you build up the players from the youngers, um, and I mean, we can sit here all day and say what's wrong with it. Uh, I do agree in the sense that a lot of these players do need to, you know, get out of the comfort zone and go to Europe. The MLS doesn't want that, but at the end of the day is, is I mean, if you look at somebody, Jordan Morris. I mean, you had the chance to go to Germany. Dude, Jordan Morris is the example right, right now. I mean, but yeah. it, there was in, uh, one, I can't remember who a player, I think it was Marcelo Balboa that asked him, or I don't know, I, I mean, I don't want to put words in Marcelo's mouth, but the, one of the players asked him, he goes, yeah, you know what, I want to go back because my dad's a doctor there in Seattle, and, you know, uh, uh, my you know my mom gave my girlfriend and I a dog or something like that. I mean, yeah. I can't Oh, this was a Jermaine Jones story. Yeah, Jermaine, said, correct. Yeah, 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 Jermaine yeah, yeah. Jones story. That you, there you go. It, it was Jermaine. Now, that's two players that are totally different. Jermaine's playing now. Well, I mean, he's in the last leg of his career. But Jermaine could have easily played 20 years ago because of his attitude. Yeah. That's why, for me, my favorite players on that team, Jermaine Jones and I, li- I love Kyle Beckerman. Back in for sentimental reasons, but yeah. it's just that that grit and that fight. The dreadlocks duo the, that struck well, fear into the heart. You know what's even better? That I tell him, brother, you're so old that I remember when you played for Miami Fusion. I bet you nobody goes, dude, you remember that? I go, dude, I used to watch you at Lockhart Stadium. He's wow. like, holy crap! So I love him, but he also has the mentality which the players nowadays. I don't know. And going back to Jordan, man, brother, you need. A guy. I know they're paying you a lot of money, but look at you. Got to respect Chris Pulisic. You do, yeah. He's getting Made great, that no matter what. He said it was hard once his cousin uh, left, who was a goalkeeper uh, for, uh, in the youth system for uh, Borussia Dortmund, and his father left. He's by himself. But grind it out, man. Say it. That's the only way you're going to get better Yeah, is to play against. Now, I got why Michael Bradley came back. And I get a payday, man. Yeah. You know, you proved yourself that you did your stuff. You paid in the role. I get that. But some of these players... Yeah, <laughs> it's tough, man. It's, it's tough. Like, on, it's tough. Somebody, somebody like uh, Juan Agadello, you get the sense that someone, if he had pushed himself a little harder, maybe you could have done more. But then you look at someone like Emerson Heinemann, mm-hmm. who's out there in the wilderness and seems to have disappeared. He didn't take a he didn't take a um, a scared approach. You know, he tried, but he. Well, it but remember, it's, not it's quite a little bit for easier him. for him in a sense because he got his you know his passport. Because his family having European descent, Sean mm-hmm. and obviously his his granddad was Dallas, amazing, super nice guy in this world. A little bit different from Juan Agudelo because he hadn't played that many games with the U.S. national team. It was harder for him to get a work permit. But yeah, when he's there, at that 
point, it's a little bit harder because you don't know exactly a lot of politics. You know, if I have this guy, why shouldn't I kind of play this guy who's a European? So I understood that, but you, I mean, you kind of hit on the head a little bit. You'd like to think some of these players more in a fight. I think we do have that, but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you and I are the same where you're going to pay me a lot. I work at Burger King. I make 15 hey, yeah, bucks an hour. Man, come on, McDonald's uh, going to give me 25 bucks an hour. Mention, damn. Not to mention playtime. Was was Bradley playing every minute? At, was he at Milan? It was at Roma. Roma? Roma. And then he went to Aston Villa, which is my team, and he didn't play a lot. But he grew, he did have a career. They played at Borussia Mönchengladbach. And you can say whatever, people can say whatever they want about Michael Bradley, man. But you know what? There's one thing I'll never, you know, accuse him of not trying, unlike we did a lot with the current team right now. But he went out there and he's bought. You're not good enough and you're going to pay me whatever. I can't even remember how much he makes paid now with Toronto. I'll leave too. Yeah. So it's a, I, I mean, think fans sometimes are hypocritical. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, get, the they do get hypocritical. Um, let's, get, let's get into the details a little bit with this failure, the epic failure that we've had. You mentioned you've covered every single game of the Hex in the round before the Hex. Yeah. A lot of people point to Trinidad and Tobago. Obviously, Ugh. that's where numerically we right. went out. But nothing about this run, all the way back to pre to Jurgen, uh, Jurgen's choices um, and the Gold Cup failure, and and you know there there are so many moments where as a fan it felt like things were going off the rails, and we just thought, no, we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out, we'll figure it out. And we never did. So my question for you is, what what is the decisive misstep? Do you, can you think of a game? Can you think of a choice the Federation made? Um, can you think of any moment in time over that stretch when you were covering all those games that you, you would point to and say, that is where we went from the right approach to the wrong approach? Or was it just the wrong approach the whole time? I think there's several missteps. I think when you look at Jurgen, I loved Jurgen. I thought who's, I mean, it, it, the personal thing, he's the nicest guy. So you kind of, in a sense, pull for him a little bit more. But I did see sometimes where he didn't make the right decisions. You're like, you know, why are you going to play Alejandro Bedoya as a number five? Well, I think South American. Here we say number six, holy midfield. Number six, number five, yeah. Against Brazil in a, you know, four, two, three, one. Had to you're like, that's out of position. 30 right. minutes or something. Yeah, yeah, so then you throw him under the bus. That was, those were my issues with Jurgen, especially when he called out players. I don't think that was cool about it. And then just sometimes after the game against, I was at that game. I spoke to myself and my 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 broadcasting uh, mate, uh, Christopher Sullivan. They give you about an hour before the game, give you the right to talk to the coach. After they announce the lineup, and they tell you, they talk to you, why did you make that decision? He was confident, but I saw a little bit of uneasiness. We all know how they got killed down in San Jose. Yeah. And my problem with this team, and even the round before that, when they played in Guatemala. And they wind up losing 2-1 to one with Carlos Ruiz, who had a beer gut, scoring a goal. Come on. Is the, the fight on this team. That was always the, the sense of urgency, the, you know, the, you know, I don't give a bleep. We're going to win bleep, and we're going to do this. That's right. When yeah. those, and to me, it starts with the players. Everybody blame Jurgen. But to me, the players, and look at the last games that they played. I mean, with your there was no consistency. They had no identity, no personality on right. this team. At the end of the day, players do got to take personality. But you can't fire a whole team. You're going to have to fire the coach. Yeah. And that, oh, yeah, it started off great with Bruce uh, Arena. Oh, yeah, great and all stuff. But then it starts to to come out really the quality of some of these players, you know? Some of these players are great. But I've talked to a lot of, you know, coaches and former players. They tell me, no, that player's no way. 
no way. How many of these players, Clayton, do you look at would have played 20 years ago, you know, with the team, or 15 years ago with the team with McBride, Eddie Pope, Claudio Reina, back even more with Christopher Sullivan, with Marcelo Balboa, Alexi Lalas. How many of these players now would play? Christian Pulisic? Is that true? I, I don't know those teams very well. I, did, I don't know the, their skill levels, and that is one of the things I wanted to ask you is how many of them would play? How, where, where are we at compared no, to those I, teams? I think I, we just saw a little while ago Jermaine Jones the attitude. Yeah, Not yeah. skill, but sometimes, if anything, the United States takes pride in playing since, you know, Italy 90, leading up to the, qualif uh, the, the qualifiers to Italy 90, who's the fight man? Fight. It's okay. You got you got Romario, yeah. you got Rivaldo, yeah. you got Bebeto, Brazil, and we got the American players. But I know, you know what? You're gonna beat me up, but I'm not gonna make it easy for you. Yeah. And I think that was that somehow we have lost, and now we have the chance to go back and look at the Jurgen to Bruce Arena transition. Uh, at the time, it felt the last thing we need is emotions and obscure sort of motivation. What we need is a practical mentality. We need someone to come in here, get the nuts and bolts tightened up, and get us to qualify with the skill that we have. We do not need some inspirational, motivational speaker. Now, when we look back on what happened and how it all played out, I wonder if that's, in fact, what we were lacking at the end of the day. Um, when it came down to it, was that emotion and, and that intensity. But you know what? It's not only that. I'll kind of go back. If you can't believe it on that, I think the U.S. has the talent. But I also think, to be fair to Bruce Arena, he was putting a little bit of bind. Because he came, they gave him a team that had lost their first two games. Mexico, they lost that uh, against Mexico and Columbus. Then they won the Blue Mac Costa Rica. You're down for the first time ever. But then... There's no room for for missing yeah. or trying players out. So we have the player Matmiazga, you know, whether it's Weston McKinney. You can't yeah. start experimenting when the World Cup is on the line. So I understood, you know, in a sense, how this guy also had his his handcuff. We do have great players, young American players. Weston McKinney, as I said, yeah. you know, Hindman, uh, Gooch, who I love. Gooch uh, is great. Good yeah, players. Cool. So... We have the players, and now maybe it's the best thing that we did didn't get, you know, get to the World Cup. Maybe it is at the end of the day. I don't know what is. We were going to win the World Cup, no. We and were going to win the same it, but, reach, you know, right? It felt it's like we reach, always had a chance if we could just go. But I see what you're saying. Yeah, it does. It gives us an opportunity that that perhaps we've we've never had, and and it's an opportunity that other nations experience more regularly than we have in the past. Can you speak a little bit to the difference? Um, I know you identify as an American, but you have a bicultural heritage, as do I, my friend. I was born in Tokyo. My father's Japanese. Right, so, cool. so I have I have a, a bicultural Americanism right. within me. Um, can you tell us a little bit about about um, the difference between the Kanmabal area and the Concacaf uh, region, and 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 how those just what it what the differences are in, in, in a fan of a national team in those two regions. Oh, it's not, I mean, you, you know, a lot of people, it's not even close in a sense. Like you said, yes, I am a, I am American. I was born in Queens. Uh, my mom, my dad, being both Colombian, I actually lived a year in Colombia and spent a lot of my childhood in Colombia, my summers and all that stuff. And I was lucky to experience a lot of that stuff, you know? Uh, you know, how it really is down there. You know, I say I'm that old. I was five years old when I attended my first game. A 1973 Copa Libertadores. A lot of people don't know that's a Champions League tournament for South America. Deportivo Cali, which is my team, where Valderrama came out to go to Europe. By the way, I had to throw that in there. Against Millonarios of Bogota. 
And I have a, there's a picture somewhere of me of there and all that stuff. So it's always been around me. I experienced that. And what is it's eat, breathe football the whole time. When I lived in Columbia, I did seventh grade there. My friends would, hey, let's go out and play to 11 o'clock at night. You don't see that here. Um, you know, it's just so totally different. The football is obviously different. I know a lot of people that love European football are going to hate me for this, but I, I prefer South American soccer. Boom. To me, I'm going to say Heard it's the that. best one. <laughs> to me, it's the best one there is. Nobody can argue that the Carmen Bowl is not, even Jose Mourinho says, the best qualifiers. Uh, and I think that, the, you know, if you look at the CONCACAF, it's, it's, it's progressed so much, man. You know, Clayton, when I was growing up, it was Mexico. Mexico, and that's it, and, and other teams. And with the rise of the United States, and now you see these, oh, Panama, oh my God, dude, Panama is already going to, you know, to a World Cup. It's amazing. That's good for the region. But, I mean, you know, give me a preference what channel I'm going to put on. Of course, I'm going to put, you know, South American soccer because, you know, to me, it's, the, you know, the, the, the greatest one and, and uh, beautiful soccer. We don't have the money that they do in Europe, and that's what really, you know, it's the biggest difference. So what do we do to catch up? What can, and, and we can speak about the presidency, we can speak about um, the coaching, the player choice. What I want to ask you, though, is what does a regular person do? What does a fan do, like myself, every day? Um, I, I would like to incorporate things into my life that would help this nation become better at soccer and eventually bring us to the World Cup. I'm never going to coach the team. I'm never going to play for the team. What do you think uh, a regular person can do to, to contribute to this culture and, and move this whole thing forward? Well, it's what you, yourself and your brother Ty are doing right now, man. I think that's beautiful that you guys have this podcast, you know, and, and you've already get a morning. I mean, you're, you know, you said, you you know, not, you know, not, I'm say not too long, but years ago you started picking up more football and and it wasn't like that when I was growing up, you know? When I was, you know, when I was growing up in South Florida, you know, I'd, I'd hold my ball skills in Colombia when i go over some of my cousins who were bigger than me, but then I would get hacked by Bahamians, I'd get hacked by Jamaicans all in yeah. South Florida. So yeah. it's hard to develop. That's why I became a defensive mid. Um, and you didn't have football. Back in the day, I know, Clayton, you don't know, but it used to be just, you could only watch soccer one way. And that was, this is German soccer. It was a television uh, program, showed games. That's it. But now with the podcast, internet, yourself, your brother doing such a good job and spreading the word and people getting more interest and supporting the team, I have no problem people criticizing, you know, Jurgen, Bussarin, the players, and you're this and you're that, because that grows the passion. It shows that you care about the team. At the end of the day, that's what the team means. But also the players, I mean, the fans do good thing that they want more from the team. Yeah, and that's one thing I don't think that you're, the, you, as players, in itself, has grasped yet because they come here. Sometimes I, you know, I, I'm not going to mention names, but some players come with an attitude when the U.S. national team, like, dude, I just want to ask you a couple of questions on stuff, and they get all, you know, like that. Like, and in, in my wedding, Europe, you get ruined, and they stand, yeah. stand and you get to the firing line, and you, you know, you got to answer those questions. That's right. And I think you got to see more than players. But sometimes they get a little bit too, you know, defensive. And uh, it's one it's that, but this change, this this country's changing as far as the view of football and soccer. And I think little by little, it's gonna, you know, we are gonna get bigger, man. And that's, I think that's beautiful to see from what I grew up in soccer. Beautiful, yeah. I think uh, I think we're all doing it. You, the listeners, are doing it. If you're out there listening, um, reach out to us at WTP Pod. That's a that's a way you can help us out. Review us on iTunes, and by doing so, you'll, you're going to bring this national team to the World Cup, according to Julian Gonzalez. Uh, let's see. Uh, totally kidding. Uh, let's do a couple. Let's do a couple rapid fires real quick. We sure. we got to get out of here. 
um, uh, is the U.S. ever going to win the World Cup? Let's say, let's ask it this way: How many? If you were to take a bet, right, a uh, hundred bucks or whatever, you're, you're going to you have to take this bet, and it's how many years does it take for the U.S. to win a World Cup? What number of years would you ask for? Whoo! Well, Greece did win a European Cup, so anything could happen. <laughs> uh, Isn't that dude, bad? I don't, no. dude. You know what? Just, forget about rapid fire. Oh man, dude, you got me there. You know what? If we could develop more Christopolistic types with the attitude, Weston, Gooch, um, Danny Williams. I love yeah, Danny, Danny man. Danny's. Play, I love man. Danny. Uh, Yedlin so is still in that kind of. Yedlin, group. I love. I mean, he's a hometown boy here I'm from Seattle, and I love all stuff. I mean, everybody out there is laughing. Yeah, you wish, but anything's possible. You get, you know, not only have to be good, you have to be lucky. So I hope in my lifetime I get to see it. I don't know. That's the. Ah, <laughs> I'm not gonna put a number on it. I'm not gonna put a number on it. That's all right. I, I, you know, whatever. That's okay. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, we got who's who's one name. Uh, the next name that you're most maybe you've already mentioned them, but let's throw them out there. Next name you're most excited to see get a cat, get their first cat. Josh Sargent, because he got his first, he's going to get Josh his call up. He's got his Very call nice. up to play against Portugal. Probably, yeah. you know, his first 17 year old, uh, the youngest American player to get in the same calendar year, under 17 World Cup, under 20 World Cup, and get called to the senior team. Josh is an exciting player, and I love yes. He's still building into his body. You know, he's still a young little kid. I'm dying to see what he could do in the, yeah. in the next level, and I'd love to see the continued maturation of. Uh, uh, I know you told me one person, but I guess I threw that in there. That's all right, man. Of, uh, of uh, uh, Cameron Carter-Vickers, oh, uh, you know, another yes. player like uh, Tyler Adams. These young guys are people. Tyler are Adams, bullshit, yeah. bullshit. That guy sucks. These guys give a chance. And, of course, uh, you know, uh, Heinemann, I think, man. That kid, Emerson I watch Heinemann him play. Emerson Heinemann is my kooky baby. I miss him, man. I, I, you're gonna, he's, he's America's next top Heinemann. You guys already know that. Uh, all right, last one here, and, and then we'll kind of cruise out. Make sure you, you check out Julian Gonzalez on BN Sports. Uh, listen for that voice. Look for that. Look for that face. Uh, you know, it, it'll enrich your life. Trust me, uh, folks. Uh, what is the funniest thing? And it doesn't have to be funny now. Laugh out loud, funny now. But something that just had you belly laughing in a broadcast booth. Is there is there any moment when you were when you the tape is rolling oh, yeah, and you just had trouble keeping it together? No, uh, man. In any part of my career? Yeah, it, it doesn't even have to be soccer. Well, really. I mean, I'll do a quick with I dropped the f bomb in my first job. I didn't get fired because the, the, the news director had got fired in Fort Myers, Florida. I dropped the f bomb during a highlight of the Bulls. And I said something like Jordan to Rodman, and I you, you know, can I say it here. We're, yeah, yeah, explicit yeah, yeah. on the show. You can oh, say yeah, it. Well, yeah. yeah, I dropped that one, um, <laughs> and I said damn on another one. But I think um, you know, I worked in in, in um, oh, you know what? I remember when I was working at the CBS station in Miami. I was covering the Florida Panthers, a hockey team, and I was there, and I blanked out. And I, I looked at the camera as I was live doing the noon show because I believe the Panther had just changed coaches. And when I'm talking, and we, I threw it to a soundbite, we came back, and I, and I just drew a blank. And it was five, I mean, this is a CBS station yeah, in Miami. And I just looked at the camera, and I'm like, and I looked at the cameraman, I go, what was I going to say? Live on camera, I was like, what was I going to say? He starts <laughs> laughing, I start laughing. And I'm like, dude, this isn't, and then I, I go back, assistant news director, what happened? He goes, I just drew a blank, dude. 
can you go out where I was? And he goes, dude, we were dying of laughter. Here. <laughs> and I'm like, well, and then I go, okay, I topped it all. And then I'll say the one that, ugh, I shouldn't even say this. I was doing a game for, for Gold TV. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize a lot of times we're not at the games. You're watching it on a monitor. And I was sitting in the booth and I was working with a guy who, I, he's not longer in, in, in the business, and you'll know why. So I was doing play-by-play where we had the Uruguayan League, and we're doing Peñarol against Nacional. Those are the two powerhouses, the Yankees, or Inter Milan, Milan, whatever, Derby of Uruguay. And, um, you know, hey, good afternoon, everyone. We're here at Estadio Monumental, da 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 Alongside my colleague, I'm not going to say his name, da 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 We're talking, we're having a good time, and all of a sudden, the game starts, and... You know, it's, you know, when you do play-by-play in a sense, you got to kind of set up, you know, your color guy. And I set him up, you know, oh, wow, what a shot on goal, man. And I said, so-and-so, this game, you know, this defense continues to look porous. We need to have to make, you know, coach come. He goes, and he just looked at the camera and he goes, at the uh, the monitor, and he says, yeah, that hit, like, that, that. I think that ball hit Sputnik. And I'm like, what game is he looking at? If the ball just went low, I go, yeah. I go this, this guy ain't paying attention. So about five minutes into the game, he says to me, he says, he takes off his headphones, and I'm doing play-by-play, and I look at him from the corner of my eye, and he looks at me with, you know, just mouthing, because he couldn't speak, because he could hear it. He goes, and he says to me, without saying anything, but he says to me, I'm going to get something to eat. Do you want something to eat? Oh and I'm talking, I keep on talking. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, so anyway, Spanyol has one something. And I'm like, what? What are you talking he gets up, puts his headphones on the table, walks out. And I'm like, what the fuck is this, dude? So I keep on doing the game, and I had to do I had to do color. And at the same time, he comes back. He had gone down to the corner street, got himself uh, a Subway sandwich. And he put it right in front of the, uh, the monitor, and he's eating during the game. And you could hear him. He's like, yeah, boy, wow, what do you think of this Fabian Stoyanov? And he's like, full of food. No, man, he's... He's a good player. I'm like, holy fuck, dude. I think I've seen it all, man. This beats the F word I said, the F bomb I dropped in Colorado, dude. I could not stop laughing. Uh, I go, this only it? happens to me, brother. Uh, yeah. Could you get it any more wrong, folks? The, the, the whole thing's a journey, and, and we love every minute of it. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. No, my pleasure, Thank guys, so man. Much. I love what you guys are doing. You guys, keep up the good work. Is it What you guys are doing, you guys are the building block. The people that are listening are doing their part, listening to you guys. And they only make us better, man. You know, ask more, demand more from this U.S. national team, the coaches, and we'll get to a place. Again, I don't know if I'm going to be alive if we win it. But I hope we do, brother. Uh, I hope I'm alive. I hope you're alive. I hope we're all alive for it. It's going to be a beautiful thing. And I, I'm just going to continue believing that it'll somehow happen. Uh, let me do my little closing ritual here. Folks, I very much like when you, you open up a brand new electronics package. Uh, it's, it's nice. It's got a good scent to it. Uh, you can kind of take out all the parts. And, and you know that if you save them all, you can always return it. I especially like... Uh, flossing my teeth. It makes me feel more adult. It makes me feel, you know, I look 17, so I try to act 36. Uh, and, and, I, and I also love me some water. Don't forget your water, folks, but I don't love any of that shit as much as I love the Nats. Let's go, boys!
that was nice. Stretch it out. Woo. Nice little conversation. You know, rub your eyes. Delightful. Welcome back to Delightful. reality. We're here now. We're here now again, back together. In this Ty alternate plane of existence, this other Super <laughs> Saiyan training plane of existence, right. where the sound quality is significantly better, but not on my audio, mostly on Clayton's audio. Yeah, yeesh. Anywho, yo, hold up, hold up, one sec. I'm gonna go get a subway sandwich. <laughs> Ty, <laughs> Ty's got better things to do. I could not fucking believe that story. <laughs> could you handle this for like 15 yeah, yeah, minutes yeah. while I, I'm hungry, bro? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll just do. I'll do both. I'll do both. I got this. I got this. The things you might wow. see. The things you might see in the life of a sports broadcaster. That's right. Um, that's right. I cannot what imagine. What a great dude. Thank great you, Julian dude. Gonzalez, for taking the time. How cool that was, was that? Cool. Thank you so much, and Julian Gonzalez. That was that was the, so epic. There were a couple things that he mentioned that um that that I, I that really resonated with me that I liked a lot. There was one in particular that I want to kinda do a, a quick hit on, if we could, because we haven't we've done we did some uh, post-disaster episodes that were more general, and then we started to get a little bit more specific about the Portugal friendly and the players and all that. So we haven't followed up on some of the threads that I've sure. been so, hearing about. So welcome to the eighth pod about Trinidad versus the USA. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, and th- this was just one small comment that that Julian made was that uh, that in the European game they have more money, and that's what ultimately makes the difference. Um, and this is something that I feel like is actually getting lost, as uh, obvious and, and clear as I think this is. People say things like, we need to get the money out of soccer. You know, we, we need it to be about love of the game, and we need it to be about passion and all that. And and I 100% disagree. I think that, that the actual uh, factor that is holding us back is that we don't have enough money involved in the game, because... The more money there is to be made by being good at soccer and by covering soccer, the more people will try to be good at soccer and the more people will want to cover it and pay attention to it. Um, so, yeah, that uh, overall, sure. so, I think and, and the number a, one thing you can do as a soccer consumer is pump money into this, you know, <clears throat> make it worthwhile for players to pursue this dream. And I think um, it's a weird mindset for Americans to have to have one of their so industries weird. be yeah. a low money industry on the world scale. Like, we're used to saying, uh, whatever we have, it's the biggest version in the world, and it's the mo- there's the most money in it uh, as there is anywhere. You know, we're yeah, used to, yeah. we, we, we have that mentality, in spite of many, perhaps growing examples uh, to the contrary. But, anywho, mm-hmm. uh, it, it is weird for us to, to kind of position ourselves appropriately in the world's game uh, when it comes to soccer, because it's not like that for us with other sports. So we kind of have to remind ourselves actively, and, and this pod is one way to do that, that we got to come at this from a humble place and say, you know what, you know, we may, we may often spend lots of money on lots of things, but we're not really doing it for our soccer culture. And why is that? And uh, what does that say about us as uh, lovers of the game, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like there's, uh, there, there is love of the game and there, there's a purity and beauty to that. Um, but but ultimately, I mean, this is an economy. It's a it's a micro economy, um, which is why you know you would expect that someone like Sunil would be especially good at manipulating and 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 pushing this micro economy to have what you would call the externalities that we are interested in, like uh, like success on the field, <laughs> like trophies. Um, that that in the process of all of these transactions and and small decisions that are taking place, that we would. Uh, that we would, you know, generate as a byproduct a, a soccer culture that leads to success, um, and so yeah, that, I I just wanted to 
to emphasize that uh, and and you know open that up to debate as well maybe on the on the Facebook if people um, if people disagree like if people like, I mean I guess maybe some people would probably prefer a pure kind of unadulterated version of the game even if it led to less success well I think we'd all um, prefer a reality in which we can uh, just have a pure joy for the game and that result in World Cups. Yeah, you know that yeah. that's definitely the the paradise we dream of, but it's not true. I mean, we need to we kind of need to grapple with the logistics of the situation, the simple logistics. Exactly. And if it is that clearly just like a monetary thing, then at least that's comprehensible. At least we can wrap our heads around that and do something about that. Big time, big time, and and uh, you know it, that plays to the strengths of American soccer and of American culture. You know, we are capitalistic and aggressive and uncompromising in our, uh, our, our pursuit of success, you know, and I think if we can kind of position this challenge, not as a challenge of how do we Europeanize American culture or, uh, or Latinize American culture, but how do we take advantage of the economic engine of the United States to dominate in an area we've never dominated before? That's the kind of challenge that I think you can put in front of, you know, in front of intelligent people in business and politics and in other spheres, and you can come up with some pretty good answers. Um, but that's not the dialogue that's happening right now. You know, it, it drives me crazy when people think, well, <laughs> what we need to do is hire Marcelo Bielsa, and that'll be the answer, and we need to just end pay-to-play, like make it illegal to <laughs> charge for a youth <laughs> team. It's like, no, the, the opposite is true. You need to allow the market to do what it does. You just need to steer that market in a direction that's going to create ultimately the results, the kind of abstract results that, that you desire. So I think it's quite possible for us to steer this uh, soccer economy in the direction that we need. It just takes a concerted effort and it takes strategy that goes beyond, um, that goes beyond, you know, uh, tactics and, and uh, words, you know, there, exactly. there is some, some kind of analytics and math involved in this. Yeah. Yeah. As an example, pay to play should have folded into it functions where in which you know, all that money goes back to find more talented kids who can't pay to play. Right. You know, right, it's all, right, that should yeah. all be part of it, the product on the field. Right. And then you just have more money going in because the teams get better and better, you know. Exactly. So that's exactly. just one example totally. of how this whole thing can snowball. Other and interesting one... <laughs> Julian Gonzalez points. Uh, I, uh, I love that you asked about um, will we win the World Cup or how how many years? How many years? You said what's the the, the over under functionally on that, <laughs> uh, which which we haven't discussed, and I, and I do think it is on the order of lifetimes. I mean, I'm I'm uh, 29. I'm about to be 30. Hey, that's a big one. I've got it's a big one. I've got let's say just statistically, I've probably got 38 years left in me. Oh man! So middle age. That's you're middle aged yeah, indeed. Being. So if, even if I just get if, even if I just get thirty six, that that'll that'll be nine World Cups. Nine World Cups is not a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's I know, getting five, a little tight. Four, uh, it's getting a little four, nervy over here. Four of them contain <laughs> Michael Bradley and Demarcus Beasley, so you're right, down, right, you're down right, to five exactly, now. Exactly. Where, well, where, yeah, right, right, and if if they come up with the uh, resurrection uh, and and right. re, in, rejuvenation in, techniques that are 
you know, un, un, uh, <laughs> unknown at this time. Maybe DeMarcus will be with us for that whole stretch. Right, we'll but for the theoretical uh, fan, maybe who was had alive in it slightly earlier than you, you know, half their World Cups are taken up by by one crop of players, and the same could happen to us, you know, you know, whatever. I hope, uh, I hope it does in a better way. I hope we have a legendary crop of players that plays many World Cups and does well in them. Indeed, indeed. And uh, another thing that, that uh, you guys touched on is the uh, Christian Pulisic comments recently, which, um, which were very interesting on a couple levels. Most interesting to me was the meta level, where I had folks in my life who sent me that link, um, you know, that, that, that it, it, it kind of penetrated too, yeah. to a different, yeah, it, it, it reached a different stratosphere than even something like the, uh, Alexi Lalas rant, for instance, sure. which was the, the kind of previous, you know, U.S. soccer touch point that had really like, you know, th- that, that made the front page of ESPN, for instance. I, I think this, the Pulisic thing, uh, resonated with people. I wasn't quite sure why, I guess it's just whenever he goes out and says anything like relatively uh, detailed or, or critical, it's going to be news, I guess, just because... Wasn't it, it also the, the the context, the platform? Because that's like the type... Like if LeBron were to put a statement out, it would be on the same... What's that platform? Like Jeter started the it? Players Tribune. The yeah, Players yeah, yeah. Tribune. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like... Yeah, it's, isn't, it's, isn't it's that been part an of it interesting too? player, yeah. He's entering um, into this this platform that's for like the pantheon of major American athletes... Sure. You know, like sure, sure. I don't think yeah. Jermaine Jones is going to get a page in here for his opinions about Jordan Morris's career. You know, that is true. Jermaine Jones gets to take a shaky cell phone video, <laughs> complaining. <laughs> Jermaine, uh, if I don't, I don't know. Maybe you're not getting offers to to go talk on television right now, but uh, you're welcome on here anytime, bud. Oh, absolutely. We, we yeah, have... Jermaine, you got shit to say, bro. You got shit to say. We won't bleep that, you. We talk won't about censor the you. WTP lifestyle. I mean, listen, we've we've had to give Jermaine a lot of uh, a lot of flack, you know, but but not not it's not his fault. It's not his fault that he kept getting called in past his, you know, sell by date. That's true. Um, That's true. Jermaine Jones is a warrior and a absolute uh, inspiration for the national team program. He's one of the most American players I've ever seen. So true. Uh, and and, and we got love a great you, shout so, out. Got so a great shout out from Julian Gonzalez saying you're one of the only players of this era that would have been made important. It. That's right. On on, a, right. on the, in the other era. So so shouts to you, Jermaine Jones. We love you. It's all it's all fun and games. Please don't hurt me. Uh, we'd love to interview <laughs> you. <laughs> yes. Uh, anytime. Anytime, Jermaine. So uh, a couple other things I would love to reach out to people about. First yes. of all, uh, and I'm just going to take over hosting this show because you you. Uh, uh, took on the yeah. I'm the, taking a backseat. It's about it's yeah, about that seat, time. We're getting seat, closer and closer to the peeps. So I'm just gonna Have start practicing being lazy and fancy. That's it. That's it. So uh, uh, like us on Facebook. We just started up the Facebook. Um, the Facebook's gonna be a little bit more of a uh, of a community platform. It's a little bit easier to see. You know everything that everybody's saying whenever we post a show up there. There's a comment thread. People can t- chat and meet each other and introduce themselves and. Uh, and and we like that, and there are people on Facebook who aren't on Twitter. It's different different uh, demo. So, like us on Facebook at it's a WTP Pod. If you just search for that up in your finder bar. The second thing is, uh, 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 I am curious if there is anyone out there listening who has a vote in the presidential election. 
and so I would I would like to hear if any if any this of you being, listeners for some out there, context this being the FIFA presidential election to our new fans yeah, to the right, team right, if you right, just joined right, because right, of how right, shitty right, we right. are. We have a presidential election coming up to decide uh, if who will be the next president. Will it be Sunil Gulati, the uh, you know imperial force that has been, or will it be someone new? Nobody knows yet. Can you vote? Are you out there listening and and have a there, vote? There's in like election? Uh, there's like several thousand people, I believe. It's like several thousand individuals who have some possibility of voting. I know that the different the different blocks get a uh, sort of um, combined percentage of the overall vote. And so depending on the number of members of each block, each person will have a different level of influence. But if you are going to be able to cast a vote, uh, shoot us an email. It's wtppod at gmail.com. We're not going to reveal anything about you, say anything about you. We, we kind of want to chat with you. And if you would like to... Uh, you know, fill us in, give us some deeds, tell us what you're thinking. That would be awesome, too. So uh, like the show on Facebook, and if you or, or even someone you know, you could bother someone you know. Sure. And tell, tell yeah, yeah, uh, get in touch with these these fools. Uh, and and thank you for listening. Clayton already did his things that he likes. Yeah, I already did do. that. So it's an interesting, it's, a, it's an interesting mind-bending episode form-wise. But hey, it's, it's, it's been a really good time. Uh, Always, always worth it to take a moment to say we love you guys. Thank you guys for hanging out so long after the fucking exit song, after the after the theme song. We'll play it again. We'll play the theme song a third time sure. today, and just I, to, and just I'll, to and really I'll close throw something it off. in there. I'll throw something in there. Uh, I hate when <laughs> my socks have holes in them. Clayton has inspired me and taught me that I do not need to uh, wear socks. There's no reason to. You should never have to wear a sock with a hole in it. Ever. I should not. I should not. Uh, I hate when I have to uh, take my driver's license or other important paperwork out in order to scan it or copy it or show it to somebody, and then I forget to put it back in my pocket, and then I drive around for like a week with no driver's license. Oh, so frustrating. That's no bueno. So dangerous. That is no bueno. So unlawful. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and I absolutely hate when my AirPods run out of battery. But I don't hate any of those things as much as I hate not going to the World Copa. Oh, no. Goodbye, people. The saddest. <laughs> Goodbye, people. Until next time. Tune in for the peeps. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people. It's we the people.